We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we've had so much roster turnover with the Lakers, so many new players that we've been, and then that little stretch, right, where we couldn't talk about it, that we've been going on all of the new additions. And we've pretty much come to the end of that. We'll see maybe a couple of roster spots are filled in the next couple of weeks. But it's been a minute since we looked around the general NBA. And so that's what we're going to do in this pod is just kind of a general overview of the offseason and what stands out to everyone. And so, Mike, I'm going to kick it to you first. One of the things that stood out to me this offseason is that we're one of the few contending teams that had significant roster turnover, right? Like really serious roles and positions changed over. Not a ton around the rest of the NBA. What stands out to you about what happened this offseason? I think the most recent move, guys, is to me of pretty significant interest. So this is our boy Larry Nance Jr. going over to Portland. And it's billed as, like if, if you go on ESPN right now or a couple different sites, it's billed as like, like the Cleveland Cavaliers get Lowry Markkinen from Chicago Bulls and sign and trade part of three-way deal with the Portland Trailblazers, where to me, Nance is a significantly better player right now than Markkinen. You know, we'll see what Markkinen turns into eventually. And then Derek Jones Jr. and a lottery-protected pick goes back to Chicago. So at least they start to restock their cupboard a little bit. Which, uh, which is a different point. Chicago giving up three picks to get DeRozan and Vucevic over the last couple of years for the right to pay them a lot. Uh, I, I think that's tough. But to focus in, in the West for a second in Portland, they for years have been trying to figure out how do we get some real defensive type wings slash bigs in here to complement this small backcourt that gets picked on in the postseason. And last year, they tried to do it with Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Well, Jones Jr. just not wasn't big enough to make an impact on any of those types of wings. And I think that Nance can, especially in the fact that it, it lets Covington then um, continue to play a little bit more off the ball. So like, I thought that was interesting. That to me turns Portland into, you know, borderline one of those teams that's kind of in the that five to eight spot of the Western Conference or even potentially if something goes wrong and they get an injury like they usually do, Darius then, you know, they may be in the play-in type situation. This, to me, gives them a little bit more solidity and a little bit better of a chance to hang in that group, uh, you know, whether it's in the middle of the West or at worst at the bottom. And I, I don't think it gives them – I don't think this move makes them on the same tier as the Lakers by any means. I don't think they can win the West. But it's at least interesting, and it made me, it made me kind of think about it a little bit. And like, all right, that, you know, that trip to Portland just gets a little bit harder. And that's that's really the Lakers have that trip on November 6th. It's one of the few of their pretty difficult early games in the season of their first 15 that we've talked about where, uh, you know, 12 of them are at home. So that's what stood out to me most recently, Pete and Darius. And, and we can I'm sure we'll get into many other things. But I'm curious, Darius, if you had the same feeling, if you thought that was of significance with that move to Portland. I love Nance going to Portland. As Lakers fans, I think we all sort of have a soft spot for Larry Nance Jr. He was just sort of that consummate pro even as a rookie and just one of the 
good guys around the league. Like he did some really interesting stuff, like in the Cleveland community as well. And, and he's from that area. And so I think it, it was sort of probably bittersweet for him to leave the Cavs, but he's leaving a rebuilding quote unquote team in Cleveland to go to a real playoff contender in Portland. And I think the reason why I like this for Portland is because the best parts of Nance's game are things that Portland really hasn't had on their roster. He's a super smart player. He's got pretty good feel. He is a good defensive player with some defensive versatility. He can really capably guard, I think, any of the front court positions. And he can play some small ball five, I think, if the other team has gone small as well. I think he's going to be a really good sort of outlet partner for Dame and pick and roll situations as someone that could get into the short roll and maybe like spray out some passes. He's an okay enough shooter. He's a good enough roller. I don't want to call him like a poor man's Draymond because Draymond is so special, but he brings some of those same skills to the table as a pick and roll partner. Just someone who can be on the receiving end of a pass in the middle part of the floor and make a good decision. And I feel like Portland has been missing that guy as a front court player. And I think that's really going to help Dame. And I think it's going to help CJ as well. Yeah, I think that versatility of skill sets amongst your role players is super important. I always talk about the idea of there being basketball being very rock, paper, scissors. And with respect to role players, if you're starting five, Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic is a really big five, right? And all of the things that come with the big bruising five. I think ideally your backup is somebody that is able to defend the perimeter that has some three point shooting ability that can pass a little bit that can defend and has a degree of mobility that is not a carbon copy of Nurkic as your starter. Right. But the fact that we're talking about Larry Nance is the lead thing that we refer to in this kind of speaks to the idea that I, I was going around the Western Conference. That's one of the things about all of the roster turnover we've had. I've been so immersed in all of the new players that we have and trying to become somewhat fluent in their games that getting out of that little bubble and then looking around the West, the big thing that stood out to me is just how few significant moves there were, right? Like Denver's big move was adding Jeff Green, which is, I think, a big loss for Brooklyn. But that's not a, a huge mover, right? The the Suns re-signed everyone and they added our, our old friend JaVale. But that's not a, a big time move. The Clippers, right, with Kawhi probably out for, if not all of the year, a, a good portion of it. They added Eric Bledsoe. They traded Patrick Beverly. But not a lot of, like, big moving and shaking type of moves out West. The, it's it's more the storyline out West is what didn't happen. I think really highly of Luka Doncic. I think that he's somebody who can win multiple championships as the main guy on offense. So every Dallas offseason to me is one where I keep a close eye. Like if they get a legit number two, I always say may the Chris Stapps Porzingis era in Dallas be long. And that stood out to me, right? Like Dallas kind of striking out on what they wanted to do. New Orleans kind of going in and having to clean up last year's mistakes and send out assets to do that while swinging and missing on Kyle Lowry. That's the story of the Western Conference to me, Mike, right? Is more of what didn't happen than what did. Yeah, definitely. And this is why all of the conversations that we have about the rest of the NBA, the context is that we think the Lakers remain the favorites because there, there wasn't that one move. There wasn't that move where a team changed a lot. And like what happened to Brooklyn last year, that was OK. Well, once they once they traded for James Harden, I think we all recalibrated. And by the way, I thought Brooklyn was going to win the East before the year started because Kevin Durant looked amazing in preseason. The, the whole question was, can he hold up physically? And he did to an extent, but he only played, what was it, Darius, like 30 or 40 games? You know, it, it was uh, up, up to the playoffs. Like he played a very, he, he played an, ins well, I shouldn't say insignificant, but certainly not the full load. And that's going to be another thing to watch next year now. Like that's Brooklyn's question. The Lakers questions are a bit more twofold and that we, we all do want to see the fit. But that the fact that they got Westbrook, the fact that, the fact that they got some other players in there of the caliber that they did, it does stand out for the rest of the West. And so, Pete, just to throw another name in there, Utah. So they add Rudy Gay and, you know, solid player, right? Like, I think he's a guy that could play in almost any rotation. But does that really change what they do? I mean, maybe it changes their ability to go super small in some cases, but they can't go super small against the Lakers. 
with Rudy Gay at the five or like AD will pound him inside. So then what do they have to do? Well, do they have to keep Rudy Gobert in? Well, then that's not going to work in a playoff series. So we've seen that. So Utah, to me, therefore stays the same. You know, you already mentioned Phoenix. I agree with your point about Dallas and, and they add Reggie Bullock and re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr., but not, you know, they're not necessarily more difficult to play against than they were last year. So the move becomes, and I think this is a team that we've discussed that's probably the most interesting, and, and we're going to check it out on opening night, but the team in Darius's backyard there, yeah, Clay yeah. Thompson, you know, Clay Thompson's going to come back. So that is a major addition from last year, but he hasn't played in two years. And what level... Like, what level did he come in at? And he's not going to start the season. He might not play until sometime in December. And then he's got to come in when they've had a starting lineup that's different. You know, does he come in and start right away? So who goes to to the bench? Is It's just a – that to me is the most fascinating team with the most upside. But they've got some catching up to do. And and so, like, that part of it right there, Darius, is going to be super intriguing. I love the points you guys are making about the Western Conference teams. So I want to bounce an idea off of you guys – Last year with the Lakers sort of showing their mortality a little bit, right? AD gets hurt. LeBron gets hurt, right? The LeBron thing was fluky a little bit, but he's year 19 about to be, right? And the idea of him potentially not being as durable has been bolstered, even if it was because a guy dove into his leg, right? Um, And then AD has carried around that lack of durability tag pretty much his entire career. And there was context to last season, but I think that teams around the West, maybe rightfully or wrongly, they feel like they're right there with what they have. And I feel like that's sort of what inspired maybe their lack of movement. Dallas certainly wanted to add a key guy, but I think they targeted one guy, Lowry. And when they didn't get him, they pivoted very quickly to trying to fill out their roster in ways that made sense for them to continue to build around Luca. You guys mentioned it with Phoenix. And I think the bottom of the West probably got a little bit weaker in terms of letting guys go or, or trying to shuffle the decks a little bit like the Spurs, for an example, you know, you mentioned Rudy Gay. He's now on the Jazz. Patty Mills DeRozan. is now on the Nets, right? DeRozan got traded, right? And he's now on the Bulls. And those were their three best players last season, basically. Like, except for, the, and so they've skewed younger. People are going to get mad at me about DeJounte Murray and Derek White. And they've got some promising young guys. None of those guys necessarily profile to me as like elite or a difference difference maker. Maybe there's an all-star game or two in there amongst one or two of their young guys, right? But I think a lot of these Western teams feel like, hey, we're not far away from being at the top of the conference. And what's supposed to stop us? from being like the Suns and having a run that gets us to the NBA Finals, right? Like Utah can feel like that. They were the best team in the conference during the regular season. They ran into, I think, the worst possible matchup for them in a very switchable, high-volume, three-shooting Clippers team that really was their kryptonite to a certain extent. From your guys' perspective, is that folly of them? Like, are they right to look at the Lakers as maybe like a wounded animal and a team that isn't as high up? Because I know that we look at the Lakers very closely and we're sort of like, hey, we see their upside. But I think we're realistic about what their flaws are, too. And so do you think that they did take that approach to the offseason, these other Western teams, the way that I'm sort of guesstimating that they did? I think they did take that approach. I think there were probably multiple reasons why. For example, uh, there had been you know reports of Utah, Utah having uh, luxury tax concerns, right? And then Golden State is one. I'm glad you brought that them up, Mike. Where I didn't think they were aggressive enough, and that's kind of my critique across the West in general. With Kawhi out, with Jamal Murray out for at least most of the season, 
there is opportunity. And if the Lakers do get injured again, and I do think that one of the dangers of the way that we're we're team building of having three stars is and then you know a bunch of minimum guys and a vet minimum guy you know along with THT but really a top heavy roster is that if one or two of those guys go down especially at the wrong time there's not now that's true of any team right if one of your top two guys like we're going to lose in the in the in the playoffs next year if Anthony Davis gets hurt again and can't play right that's a that's a fact that's true about most teams in the NBA amongst their top two players that said I do think that we're a little more more vulnerable to being hurt and the West is so wide open that Phoenix is a perfect example of a team that can catch some opportunity and that if you if you have a good season if you catch some injury luck Mike I remember that stat that you you were always talking about uh, about how few different starting lineups they had or games missed they had amongst their starting lineup there is opportunity where oh, if only one or two things go a certain way, and that's why I want to bring it back to Golden State, that I I don't know Kaminga's game or Moody's game. You know, I, I'm not a scout. I do know they have Steph Curry. And that when you have a top three superstar type of player, top five type of player, that not consolidating those guys for a better third or fourth option. And again, one or two of those guys may be complete studs down the line, but they're not contributing toward an NBA title this season. I thought that was a mistake. They're the team of that idea, Mike, of the West was not aggressive enough in terms of their approach. They're the team that stands out most. Yeah, so a way to try the way that I try to look at the league or try to summarize things, and a lot of it does have to do with injuries, and this is because one player makes such a difference. But almost any season, you can look at a group of teams. This is why having a tier system can be valuable, and you can say, all right, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Clippers, right? Those are the teams that were all for, between forty-seven and fifty-two wins. Well, what was the big difference between them and even the next tier, which is Lakers, Blazers, Mavericks, and it was health. For the most part. So Portland was not healthy for the most part. Um, Utah couldn't have been more healthy up until the last up until they Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell um, go down. And that's what brought them back down to earth with Phoenix, who was the healthiest team in the league. And then Denver, up until the point where they lost Jamal Murray, super healthy. In fact, Jokic was the only superstar to play every game. And that carried them all the way through that regular season. It even carried them through the first round of the playoffs against Portland. The Clippers George and Kawhi were basically healthy all year. Now, they missed games here or there, uh, but for the most part, they were there, and they were much healthier than the Lakers, and yet they only won five more games up until the point where they lose. So how how does this color this coming season? Well, so Golden State, we, we already know, is not going to be healthy along the lines that Phoenix was last year because of Clay. So Clay's going to miss, if he doesn't come back till December or even late December, he's going to miss like 30 games. And that's a difference maker. They've got these three young guys that are there. So it's like, so you got Moody, you got Kaminga, you got Wiseman. In integrating them into the system, but then bringing Clay back, like it's a lot. They've got a lot to do. But was, and this, this is kind of the, the next larger point, there weren't a lot of players that were out there yeah. Yeah. in terms of yeah. free agency for teams to even go and get. So that's why you hear all the talk around, well, if player X becomes available and people – center that mostly on like Bradley Beal. So the, the question is, since there's all of this opportunity still, and maybe the Lakers overall talent wise are still there from uh, in the Western conference, is there a player that we're not thinking of yet? That's on one of these teams that isn't going to make a run next year. And these teams are thinking more of, of let's see how things go. Let's see where the Lakers are at. Like let's, you can take your shot still all the way up to the point where Denver felt like they took their shot by getting Aaron Gordon. And, and honestly, it was they didn't give up that much. Like that was a pretty good trade. And he's not an all-star player, but he's, you know, he's he's pretty close uh to being that kind of an impact player. So I'm I'm just gonna be tuned in all year because like I think there are there are a lot of teams that are close enough to feel like that they can they could win the West if one thing breaks their way. And if one thing doesn't break their way, there are some teams that have enough talent or that have enough young picks or whatever young players that they could then make that move. And that makes for an exciting NBA season to me. I don't expect you guys to comment about this, but one of the guys that I'm looking at as sort of a undercover trade target for other teams is a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who I think is one of the elite younger, youngish offensive players in the entire league and has basically languished 
on Minnesota and the Timberwolves are a team that I think they have high hopes to improve. They added Patrick Beverly and that weird sort of like <laughs> musical chairs point guard game of after the Clippers trade and everything else. And <laughs> Pat Bev tweeting grit and grind, let's go. And the let's go, I guess, was let's go to Minnesota because he was <laughs> out the next day. But I think that they're a team that feels like they should be a lot better next season. And I wonder what happens if they're not, basically, because mm. the West is still super deep. They're still super talented. Mike, you started out this conversation with Portland, and I feel like teams are, or a lot of folks around the league are probably looking down on Portland at this point. And I think to a certain extent, that's that's fair. They've had so many playoff like failures or, or flame out or just haven't reached the level that they'd want to reach with a player, the quality of Dame, but there's, and they let go of their head coach. And I know there was some controversy with their general manager and then they hired Chauncey Billups and there was some stuff around that, but they've still got Dame. They've still got CJ. They've still got Nurkic, right? They just traded for Larry Nance. They still got Covington. They re-signed Norman Powell. Like, they've got weapons there. They project to be a very competitive team. And so I say that within the context of teams like Minnesota or New Orleans or all of these sort of younger teams that are trying to take a leap forward. Well, if they're going to get into the playoffs, they have to leapfrog teams that are playoff mainstays. Yeah, and young teams don't win, right? And it's hard. Right. And and so I look at some of these teams that are trying to claw their way up into that mix. And I wonder what happens to them if they don't. Right. Because they've all got young, talented players. But at some point, a lot of teams do change just to change because what they have in the mix isn't working. And, and so I'm I'm just interested to see what happens with some yeah, of those lower tier teams. Yeah, Minnesota's my surprise team in the West this year, at least at this point. And that means I think they're like a 35 win team. I thought after they were much better after the coaching change last yeah. season. And they've got they've got they barely had uh, Russell and Towns play together. They've got a lot of young defenders that I really like and athletes that I think there's a, they've got a good momentum is heading in the right direction. That's actually one of the reasons why I don't particularly like Portland, because even though from a talent standpoint, like I like the Nancy acquisition, I like, you know, how that can fit into the bigger picture. Their momentum's not necessarily heading in a great direction. Things with their best player are dicey, right? The hiring process with Billups and everything that went into that, right? There doesn't seem to be great momentum for their franchise. So anyway, let's take a break. We're going to take a quick trip around the East, and then we'll wrap up with the idea of who do we think are teams that could win the title this season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So turning our attention out east, there's a little more action. Milwaukee, the champs, did not do a whole lot, but they added Grayson Allen, but lost P.J. Tucker. They added George Hill, but not huge moves. Miami was the biggest mover and shaker. They got P.J. Tucker, but their big move was their trade for Kyle Lowry with Dragic going out, Precious Sachua going out. And they're a squad that was in a similar position as us, Darius, last season, where yeah. they had that same shortened offseason as we did, and they felt the effects of it just as as we did. They didn't have as many injuries, but that was a team that was clearly out of gas for most of the season. Now they have much longer time off, just like us, and they've made some additions. I think they're a little on the old and slow side, but they are better, and I do think that they are formidable. I'm curious your thoughts on Miami's offseason. I really like Miami. The thing that I like about them most is that they've got competitive dudes who are dogs, right? And so, yeah, maybe their athleticism is not top tier. It's probably more middle tier, but they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against every single night, and they will make you play their style, right? It's one thing to say, oh, well, they're not quick, or they're not going to fly around the court. Well, I used to be a boxing guy a little bit. And so they're going to be very like later career Bernard Hopkins style where they're just going to hold you and muck it up and play the inside game in terms of like, oh, yeah, you want to go somewhere? Well, too bad. We're going to stand right in the middle of the ring and you're going to have to trade shots with us and we're going to have a slugfest. And we think at the end of the day, we're going to beat you that way. And Lowry and Jimmy Butler... I don't know if you're going to find two bigger MFers in the league on the same team than those two dudes, right? That are just going to basically do everything they can to win. I like what Miami's done. A lot is going to depend on what Hero does in his development. If Duncan Robinson can continue to shoot the way that he has shot before last season, last season was a bit of a down year for him. He has elite gravity, but he still needs to hit the shots that he's taking. Depth, I think, is going to be tricky for them a little bit. And I'm still not sure about like their combo forward stuff that they'll need a little bit more of. But I like Miami. Mike, is there a team that you like more than Miami in terms of what they did this offseason? And, and do you think Miami catapulted themselves into that upper tier with Milwaukee? And, and maybe who else do you see up there with them and the Nets? Yeah, no, Miami's the answer. They're the answer just because Lowry is, is the best player that really changed hands, uh, that changed teams. And they didn't have to give up that much to get him. I, I mean, I like Precious, Precious Achua. And I think that was smart for Toronto to get him as kind of an up and coming guy. But he, you know, he wasn't really projected to do a ton next year. Um, and he w- doesn't necessarily fit that timeline, especially with Jimmy Butler. It's funny what you say about depth, because there's a way you can look at the heat in the same way that some on the outside would look at the Lakers where, all right. So we know that the five, we got Butler, you got Bam Adebayo, you got Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson. And then probably when it, when it really counts, PJ Tucker, who just comes off the finals win. And then after that, you know, so what are you going to get from Tyler hero? Is he going to make an improvement from last year? Is he going to get some of that bubble magic that he found again? And then you very quickly get to, you know, Keith and Dwayne Dedman. Right. And then the upside guy, I suppose is Victor Oladipo uh, who, who goes there on a vet min, a kind of prove it deal after all of the injuries and just think it's just a bummer right for him. And think about even where he was talked about last season. And so he he does represent some upside, but then they're talking about guys that they know better than the outside. So like, you know, Casey Akpala and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, you know, guys that you probably in your seven, who was really good against the Lakers in the Cali Classic. Uh, I probably one of the few people to watch him play in that setting. And then he goes to Vegas and plays well, too. Uh, young Turkish center. So I don't there. I, I like I also give them the bubble tax benefit, which I mentioned on some previous pod where last year I'm, I'm willing to erase some of what happened to them because of just how much it all built up, especially on their key players. But they are definitely, they're definitely a team that's right back to being like, if you're Milwaukee or you're Brooklyn, who I think are, you know, I think do deserve to be favorites ahead of them. That's not the team that they want to go against. Like they'd rather get Philly. They'd rather get Atlanta. They'd rather get a team that I actually think isn't being talked about as much either. Boston who, who kind of sneakily 
Yeah. Could, you know, not that Pete wants to discuss it too much, but no, I, know, they had a good off season. And I'm not thrilled about that. Yeah. So Boston, Boston's just interesting. Like they, if, if I thought that their biggest thing last year and apologies, if you, if anybody wanted to stay in Miami more, but now that, especially cause this, I see the look on Pete's face and this is kind of, this is kind of fun to get into Boston. So with Tatum and Brown, there was a little bit of the same thing that many young players deal with and that Brandon Ingram and Zion dealt with, I thought, last year in New Orleans, where Tatum was banged up early and he was out with uh, with health and safety protocols. And Jalen Brown started playing like an all-star for the first time, whereas before Brown, I think everybody liked Jalen Brown, but he was kind of that prototypical like really high end three and D guy, but he wasn't the guy that you necessarily ran offense through. He fit. He was like an excellent role player in that setting. And then he started to show more Tatum comes back. And this is not about that. Like they get along fine. They play fine together, but they, there was a little bit of that. Whose team is it? Alpha thing that LeBron and Wade even dealt with to some extent. And to me, what has to happen there is that Brown has to see that ground to Tatum and be an awesome number two guy who can still go off for 25 on certain nights who can still be, but ultimately there, he has to kind of just for the rest of the team to be able to set, to stack in, he has to do less of the one-on-one off the dribble stuff and be, you know, so just, and if that gets figured out, that opens up the rest of the roster to be able to contribute more in, in sort of places that fit the hierarchy, just like and the, the good thing for them though, versus New Orleans is they both play defense where in New Orleans, Ingram and Zion were kind of figuring out, all right, how much am I going to let you be the guy in offense? And neither of them really played defense to that same level. And we've we've seen it. We've seen Ingram be impactful on that side of the court, on the defensive side. He wasn't last year. And Zion wasn't even trying to play deep. So that's those are some of these upside cases, Pete, where in part of what you were getting at in the West even with some of these young players, if they can figure it out internally – and then they've got some good veteran talent around them. That's the kind of team that I think can can make a jump and be right there with a Miami and, you know, giving Brooklyn or Milwaukee some potential problems. Yeah, they'll need health. Uh, Robert Williams is a guy that I like quite a bit. Their, their center, who they just resigned to an extension, is someone who's really impactful on the defensive end in terms of disruptive steals, blocks, you know, lob threat. Um, Marcus Smart, phenomenal player. I think that the... the issue that you were referring to with Tatum and Brown it's more that in that whole rock paper scissors idea they're kind of the same type of guy and it's it can be difficult where two similar type of players are it's more difficult to figure that out than say a LeBron James Anthony Davis where like what you're good at and what I'm good at we can both be great on the same play that's a a thing I like to think about is can your two stars be great on the same play and in the same action and that's just more difficult with the more similar that those players are Uh, that said I don't think that they quite have enough right to get into that upper but I do think that they paid some bubble tax too they were an Easter Conference finalist team um, I, I think they had a good offseason Dennis is a better player than the contract that he's on and that's the end of me saying nice things about the Celtics Can no, I go ahead? no so <laughs> I, I agree with whenever you have two players as good as Tatum and Brown you're in a good position and so diminishing the Celtics in any way is probably just for shits and giggles from Lakers sure. fan side sure, right? sure. <laughs> but what I will say is that when your two best players are wings um I think that one of the issues that I look at with them the Celtics is sort of similar to the stuff that we've talked about with the Clippers for the last couple of years is that can one of those wings turn into more of a dynamic playmaker for teammates and if they and if they can't then who is going to be their point guard type of guy who does organize things a little bit more and put guys in better positions to enable those two players to be able to be great on the same play Pete because there's a certain amount of okay well you guys are so good but can I organize this in a way that allows you to to be more synergistic right if that's even a word and so right now I I like Dennis fine and he is way better 
than the way he sort of fell off and the way that he got hit in the free agency game where things just sort of fell apart on on him and he was the last point guard standing right with no one really willing to give him the type of contract that he was probably in line for right Dennis should be a I don't know anywhere from 13 to 17 million dollar a year player and he's going to play on a six million dollar contract next year like he is so much more valuable that said he is not that player type that i was just describing he is in a way he's a point guard version of Mm -hmm. tatum and brown Mm -hmm. right and so if i've got concerns about boston it's just like i love smart smart's not going to be your point guard really even if he's probably lined up to start there at this point And finding a guy who can sort of slot everyone appropriately is tricky when your three best players are all sort of wing type guys. Yeah, I'd say, though, that I still I still like that for a playoff series more than I do the alternative where I've got two big wings that can just go get me buckets. And I know that they're going to play defense. And the guy that I think is is probably most important to this, not the best player by any means, but Horford where you can go and have him be the small ball five and yeah. like he can, he can, he can be on the court in basically all situations against the bucks or the nets. And you don't have to play Williams if they're able to go at him in certain contexts. So like that to me is, is another under the radar move where Horford, sure. He's going to be, he's either 35 or 36 and he's not going to be able to give you that every night, but the option to go Horford, Tatum, Brown, smart, and then whether it's Richardson or Schroeder or even Chris Dunn, you know, that's a that's a very kind of nasty defensive team. And that has enough scoring, despite not necessarily having all of the playmaking. I just think that it's intriguing and, and people aren't really talking about them in that same context. So, Pete, that will officially end my Celtics praise of the roster portion of this podcast. Apologies, apologies. It's something that I, as I was watching the offseason, I was like, yeah, they're in, they're in decent shape. I don't think they're, they're title contenders necessarily, um, but I think that they're, yeah, they're, they're about to enter an era of two, three years where they have a bit of a window. They're in that four through six range for me, and the, their top end is probably four if everything sort of stays healthy-ish around sure. the rest of the top of the East. The title contender part of the conversation is is what's interesting to me. They're, they're title contenders to me in the way that Phoenix was last year, where I don't think they're good enough to win the title unless things go right. XYZ yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. And, and Phoenix almost won the title. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, they, they really should, but they, so AD goes down, Kawhi goes down, Jamal Murray goes down. B- boom. You know, that's, that's, and so they don't have anybody go down. That right there, that's why, sorry, Phoenix, that's why you won the West, okay? That right mm-hmm. there. Then in the East, it all, like, Harden goes down, comes back, Kyrie goes down, doesn't come back, uh, and then it, Giannis almost goes down, but doesn't. And so that was the that was the difference. Like, yeah, Milwaukee was able to stay healthy, but, you know, there, there, there are some teams there, Pete, that are this season that are going to be kind of title-adjacent but that I'm not going to put on that initial list, like that initial tier to win the title. And it, it's probably shorter than, and this is a lot of this has to do with the Lakers, right? Like it's probably shorter than it should be in some senses for the whole, like if the Lakers stay healthy thing, it's hard. It, it is hard for me to see another team in the West beating them four times um, out of seven. And I'm really curious which teams you guys think can do that. And if there's a, th- if like, if you're going to put Miami in that tier with Brooklyn and with Milwaukee. So that that to me is where it's interesting. And I don't know if we're all going to agree on on this first tier of title contenders. Sure. So with the Lakers, I think that we're where we were before, but there's been so much roster turnover that a decent amount of it is theory, right? We start from a place of LeBron and AD. And I know the player that Westbrook is, I'm, you know, at least to a certain extent, but how it all meshes together, are we able to defend the perimeter enough? That's my number one question, right? Is can we get out and and rotate and defend the three-point line? So the Lakers would be in that that tier, obviously. Brooklyn, which is funny, we didn't haven't gotten to them in this pod. But Brooklyn would be on on that yeah, list. We, we know what that is. Uh, yeah, we're like you know we don't need to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <sighs> Milwaukee and Miami are around the same place, 
uh, we don't talk about this with Milwaukee as much, but they were well on their way to losing that series against Brooklyn too, right? And so they did what they had to do and they won themselves a title. They beat the teams that were in front of them. I don't project them next season. I, th- that does not vault them into – like I, I saw – Oh, really? A, yeah. No, interesting, I've seen, interesting. I've seen them – I've seen them on lists ahead of the Lakers, for example. And it's like, wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we don't have to do this about what last season was and how it went down. That was a team that was losing by 40 to a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets team. So it for me, it's the Lakers, Brooklyn. I actually like Phoenix more than I did last year, in part because I think that they match up better with this version of the Lakers, this theoretical version of the Lakers. We shall see than last season. Gosh. Yeah, I'd probably go those three teams, Milwaukee, Miami. Where are you at, D? I like Milwaukee more than Phoenix. Likewise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you you officially have Phoenix? Did you officially have Phoenix in your in your tier there? I have Phoenix in my top five in terms of in the same tier. To me, this is a Brooklyn Lakers if everyone's healthy type of thing. And I don't I don't really put another team in the Lakers in, in Brooklyn's tier. Do you have Milwaukee with the Lakers and the Nets? no. Well, let me. Oh, sorry, you were asking Mike. Yeah, let me let me get the Darius tier first, and then I'll I'll swoop in. Look, this may make Lakers fans mad, but I mean, Brooklyn might be in their own tier. I want to see Brooklyn guard us. I want to see the Lakers guard someone. Yeah, we we, we've got a couple. We at least got a couple dudes who could do it. I'm not I'm not trying to like cast aspersions against the Lakers either, right? Like, but I saw I like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of those dudes where society, oh, you've got Kevin Durant? Yeah. Okay, so your team already gets to stand at a certain place in my mind because you've got Kevin Durant. And and so, uh, like, it's probably Brooklyn, the Lakers are right there with them, right? But that team at least has a year together. So I give them a little bit of like, okay, you know each other a little bit more. You have a bit more togetherness time that I think is important. I think I have Milwaukee like right beneath the Lakers and sort of right there. There is a thing that I believe in, which is when you win, something in your brain chemistry changes. And you then have a little bit more of that belief and ability to call on something that when you have a certain baseline of talent elevates you. And Giannis, for as much as we talk about Kevin Durant and LeBron James, and I think Anthony Davis and Steph Curry, and there's, you know, that sort of very upper, upper tier of players in the league. Giannis is in that class to me. And so while he is not the natural sort of all court player that a Durant is, or that even a LeBron is, he is so physically dominant as a player. I think if you have him on your team, you're like, okay, well, you're going to be hard to beat. And now that he has a 50 point, I made all my damn free throws and grabbed every rebound and made every defensive play sort of clinching game in him. Like he, to me, elevates the Bucks in a way that I don't want to discount overall. And I really like Middleton and I really like Drew Holiday. And we were, and when we talk about defense and this idea of bigger, stronger, faster that we've talked about within the context of the Lakers, the Bucks have built a team already that's right that just did that this past season and so were there circumstances that allowed them to win like sure there were just like there is every other team it's not just like the other teams like the last season was so bizarre and there is like they're going to be suffering the effects of a short shortened offseason as will phoenix as well that's not something we're talking about because it doesn't impact the lakers we actually have favorable conditions but I disagree with the notion that they had, you know, they caught good luck just like any other team. Last season was unprecedented. The number of high-end players that got hurt had never happened before. And so just the accepting that you are now in this certain tier because you won the championship, maybe that's just petty of me, but it's it's not just because they won the championship. They've got 
they've got a two-time MVP who is one of the two or two or yeah. five best players in the entire league. And I so, agree with you about Giannis, but they don't have like anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead. They, no, Chris Middleton's an all-star player. Drew Holiday is an all-star level player. Like, I'm not going to just say like, oh, well, your championship's trash, so you don't get to step up a level. Like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They won. I don't know. They beat the Phoenix Suns in the finals. Sure. The same Phoenix Suns that the Lakers lost to, who were all hurt and And banged up. Like, like, I don't know what to say about that. Phoenix won the West. Yeah. Right. And but they won the West because of unprecedented conditions. There has never been a team that got to the finals. They yeah, didn't I, face a single team that had their top guys. I think both of these things can be true in this case. Okay. I think that Milwaukee benefited from some things to get to the finals. And they are also a worthy team based on talent and based on their superstar um, to be considered in that top tier. So I the here's the way I'd summarize it. If everybody's healthy, I would pick Brooklyn to win the East. And I do think that there's a clear factor if they're fully healthy. And I don't think Darius disagreed with that. Um, I no, would, I, I'm 100% there. Yeah, with, but well, Milwaukee, the next. Milwaukee is absolutely good enough. And I do think Darius is right. I do think they get a boost from winning the title. I do think that Giannis is, of all the superstars, still can get better and can use, like, even if, if, it's, the, if it's the free, he's 26. Um, so even if it's the free throw line and he's closer to that, like, 75, 80% guy, that's a big problem. Now, Giannis if he's just seventy percent, if he's just seventy yeah. percent, that's a that's a real problem. But he also I'm, benefited from like the team that he. The reason he got fifty is because Phoenix was uniquely ill-equipped to guard yes. a big athlete, yes. and he was he, he would not. Atlanta. Yeah. Giannis they can't get fifty Atlanta against the Lakers, right? Like, but but <sighs> but he still gets credit for that. So, like, I'm just saying that I have Milwaukee. Uh, like higher than you Pete I've got them in that title winning tier for sure but would I pick them to beat the Lakers or Brooklyn and Philly healthy probably not like I need to see the Lakers our idea of what the Lakers are going to be I think we're not giving LeBron enough credit right for all that we just talked about LeBron um Kevin Durant and Giannis so I'm still giving him that that buzz the guy that I really want to see is AD but yeah so just just to kind of to give you my little tier here of who I think can win the title and then you guys can can kind of finish that and settle it so Lakers, Nets, and by the way, I think that I wouldn't give the Nets like a clear difference between the Lakers. I think it comes down more to health between the two of them because they're such That's contrasting fair. styles. But I'll give so like Nets, Lakers, Bucks. Um, I actually the team that I I've spoke about earlier that I that I'm intrigued by and has a chance to jump in is Golden State. Like I like a fully I like a all of that Golden State could be. I like more than Phoenix. I like mm. more than Denver. Um, mm-hmm. I like more certainly mm-hmm. than the Clippers without Kawhi and Dallas. Miami? What about Miami? Miami to me is is kind of right where Milwaukee was in a sense last year, where I think now that they're like they're good enough to to get there, but I wouldn't pick them to be able to beat not just Milwaukee and Brooklyn, but then you know the Lakers. So like I, I would have Milwaukee probably just outside. Um, and, Miami. And, 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 and at the yeah, at the top of that uh, of that list. But I'm not quite there as to seeing Miami being able to beat, you know, certainly Brooklyn. And then even to an extent, Milwaukee, like I think they give like Milwaukee smacked uh, Miami last year. Part of that was because of the bubble tax. Right. And part. And so now they get Kyle Lowry revenge there, too. Yeah. yeah. And so like that, that's a, That's an interesting series. But I'm I'm going to pick like just based on Giannis in the level that he's up at above of Butler. At this point, and even that that hurts me to say that because like I never want to count Jimmy Butler out. So yeah, Miami's the team that I'm I'm willing to be I'm willing to throw into that tier um, for sure. But I but I probably initially would have it just be Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Lakers, and then the Warriors as sort of the intriguing upside team, and then Miami maybe as the intriguing team in the East. Yeah, I think I was kind of coming up with the top five, but in terms of teams and we're talking everybody healthy, I think it's the Lakers and Brooklyn in their own tier. And then I, I agree with you about Milwaukee and and that's a, a fair point about Golden State and about what they could be. This is going to be fun. I'm curious to see how this uh, transpires over the course of, of the season. And we still got a few, a little bit of free agency to wrap up. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the Lakers pod, but until then you've been listening to Laker film room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores.
he got it. Magic fires again, and the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Missing. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.